How's everybody? So glad to see you here, and thank you for coming out. I know the weather was not ideal today, but I am so glad that you're here. We're in week four of our series, Christmas at Coast, and what we've been doing is we've been kind of digging down, taking a deeper look, and really looking at the underlying principles in the Christmas story and finding out how they apply to our life. You know, I've been reading and studying the Christmas story for probably 30-plus years now, uh, but something came to my attention this time that I hadn't really noticed before. It kind of just jumped out at me. It was a new discovery. Uh, what I saw was the emphasis on the word time, Christmas time. And using different translations of the Scripture, I saw that there are 16 different references to time and timing in the Christmas story alone. God had a timetable for Christmas. Now, time and timing play a very important part in our lives too. Would you agree? Yeah. And so most of the stress that comes from your life comes from poor timing. Either you're in a hurry or there's a delay. And both of those things can stress you out. But the keys to success is wise timing. And that is when you do the right thing at the right time, it just works. On the other hand, can you say the wrong thing at the, uh, the right thing at the wrong time and it's a disaster? Yeah. Can you do the right thing but do it at the wrong time and it's a disaster? Absolutely. So timing is everything. Timing is the difference between a good joke and a bad joke. Comedians have great timing. <clears throat> timing is the difference between why you pay one baseball player uh, a professional one, a pitcher, $80 million to throw the ball, and then you pay another guy who's an amateur, you won't pay him anything, right? It's the same, it's the same two and three-quarter inch ball. It's the same distance from the pitcher's mound to the catcher, but the difference is the $80 million guy has great timing. The difference between a good leader and a poor leader is not just knowing what to do, it's knowing when to do it. Timing is everything. The difference between a speaker who holds your attention and is interesting and a boring one, the difference between those two is? Timing. It's timing, right? Absolutely. So what does the Bible tell us about God's timing for our life? Well, this is really important, so I want you to write down these five truths I'm about to give you. I think that it'll lower your stress, help you to become more successful if you learn how to cooperate with God's time for you. So let's jump in. Here's the first one. Number one, God has a timetable for everything that happens. You can write that down in your message notes. God has a timetable for everything that happens. Now this is taught all throughout the Bible. In Ecclesiastes 3.1 it says this, there is an appointed time for everything and there is a right time for every activity under heaven. There's a right time for every activity. Uh, there's a appointed time. Now look up on the screen. In, in another translation of that same verse, it says this, everything that happens in the world happens at the time God chooses. God has a timetable for everything. God even has a timetable for Christmas. Look at the next verse, Galatians 4, 3-5. It says, when the right time, everybody say right time, when the right time came, God sent his son to earth, born of a woman, and living under the law, so that his son could pay for our freedom from the law, in other words, set us free, and adopt us as children into God's family. See, that's what God sent Jesus to do. Show us what uh, God is like, save us from our sins, and adopt us into God's family. But notice the phrase, when the right time 
came, Jesus sent his son. Christmas happened at the right time. Now, what made it the right time? We don't know. Why, why did it happen 2,000 years ago? I don't know. Why, did, why wouldn't it happen 2,000 years earlier? I don't know. But God said it was the right time to send Jesus, which leads us to our second truth. Second truth, write this down. God doesn't tell us the details in advance. He has a timetable for your life, but he doesn't give you all the details in advance. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says this, God has given us the desire to know the future. He always does everything just right and on time, but people can never completely understand what God is doing. Why is that? Well, it's because God is God and we're not, right? For me to try to understand God's timetable is almost impossible because God's ways are not our ways. His ways are higher than our ways. His understanding is higher than our understanding. We can't understand all that he's up to. But it says that God has given us this desire to know the future. Have you noticed all the crazy things people will do to try to figure out the future? Things like tarot cards and palm reading and tea leaves and astrology, all kinds of crazy things to figure out the future. But the Bible says that God doesn't always let us know the timetable. Why? Why doesn't God just tell us? I mean, why didn't he just tell us everything that's going to happen in our life up front? Well, I think there's two or three reasons. First, it would probably overwhelm you. You know, if you knew exactly everything that was going to happen in your life, it'd probably scare you to death because you can't handle the truth, to quote Jack Nicholson, right? Second is you'd probably abuse it. If you saw everything that was going to happen in your life, you'd go, well, I don't know about that. I'm not sure I liked it. And so you'd be trying to go back to the future, right, where you're changing the future before it even happens, but the real reason that God doesn't announce his timetable to you is just this. Simply, he wants you to trust him. He wants you to trust him. And God says, trust me, I'm a good God. I'm a loving God. My plans for you are amazing. Just trust me. Just trust me. So in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says this in verse 7. You don't get to know the time. Timing is the Father's business. Subtext of that is, it's none of your business, right? <laughs> so you don't know what the future holds, but you do know who holds the future. God has a timetable for your life, but he doesn't give you all the details in advance. Here's the third thing you need to know about Christmas time. God is never in a hurry, and he's never late. God is never in a hurry, and he's, never, he's always on time. His timing is perfect. Now, the reason for this is because God is on a different wavelength than we are. God has a different view of time because God is timeless. He's not limited by time. God can be in the past, in the present, in the future, all at the same time. See, your view of time, my view of time, is because we live on a planet called Earth that lives according to 24-hour days. Every 24 hours, the Earth rotates right? And every 365 days, it goes around the sun. So our life is measured in 24-hour days and 365 days, years. But if you lived on a different planet, if you lived on a planet like Mars or Pluto, your concept of time would be very, very different. And because God doesn't live on a planet, God is timeless. Einstein wrote about this. It's called the space-time continuum and how it's, it's very different than what we normally think about time. God is never in a hurry, and God is never late. Now, let me give you kind of a, an understanding of God's time. Look up here on the screen, 2 Peter 3.8. It says this. Never forget this. 
with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. Does that sound like your conception of time? No, not really, except if you're a kid. If you're a kid and you're waiting for Christmas to come, then, then a day seems like a thousand years, right? It just never seems to come fast enough. But for most of us, that's not really the way that we view time. We don't think on those terms. God's timelessness that I'm talking about, though, has huge implications for our life. It really does. So let's go back. When God created you, he put a dream in your heart. Most people start off with a dream. And what they want to do uh, with their life, they think about it. They have a vision. They have a big vision. They have a big goal. They have some kind of dream or plan or project that they want to do with their life, a vision. What's the vision that God has given you? When you think about your life, what is the vision that God has given you for your life? Now, I've talked to thousands of people over the years, and I've discovered that most people tend to start off fairly early, you know, by your teen years and maybe starting to get into, you know, uh, high school and college. You're starting to get a good idea of the direction of what you want to do with your life. You start to have a dream, a vision. Here's what I want to do with my life. Here's what I dream of doing. But as life goes on, what happens is most people wind up giving up on that dream. They give up on it before it's accomplished. They give up on the vision. They give up on the goal. Why? Because it doesn't happen fast enough. So they cast it aside. Some of you that are here, you've had your dream battered or broken or bruised. And, and for, because of that, some of you, out of your discouragement, out of your disappointment, you've buried your dream. You've given up on it. And God doesn't want you to do that. You just need to understand that everything that happens happens in his timetable and not ours. Now let me show you some, one of the great promises in the Bible. It's this next verse, Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 3. God says this about your dream, about your vision. It says, the vision will happen at the time I have appointed It moves steadily towards its goal. And it will not be proven false if it seems slow or delayed, just wait for it. It will certainly happen. It will not be late. Some of you need to take that verse and write it on a three-by-five card and put it someplace where you can see it every single day because it's a reminder. Don't give up on your dream. Don't give up on this dream that God has put in your heart because it will happen. Now, if it's your dream, if you made it up, then God's not obligated to do that. But if it's a dream that God has put in your heart, you know, I mean, I know God has told me to do this. I know this is what God is saying for me. I know this is the vision that he has for my heart. Man, if that's it, then you need to just wait patiently because God says it will happen. It will not be late. You know, one of the hardest truths that I think we all have to learn is this, is that God is never early in your life. God is never late in your life. He is always on time. It's a big lesson. All right, here's the fourth thing we need to learn. God's timing is not always convenient. (laughs) His timing isn't always convenient. God has a plan for your life, and God has a timing for your life, and, and it's a good plan. It's for your benefit. It's a loving plan, but it doesn't mean that it's painless, and it doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy. No, God's plan isn't always convenient. For instance, we talked about Mary and Joseph all throughout this series. And we talked a lot about how they suffered a lot of inconveniences and just the different things that they went through. You know, thinking about Mary having to tell Joseph she was pregnant and all those things. And we talked about the virgin birth and the gossip and the noise and the stress and the, the struggle to believe. But then imagine this. 
all of a sudden, Caesar Augustus, who was over the entire area, decides to call for a census. And he says, everybody has to go back to the town that they were born in order to be registered to go and be counted in this Roman census. Now think about this for a second. All right, everybody's got to be counted. Imagine if tomorrow, all right, our government said, all right, we're going to do a census and we're going to count everybody and you've got to go back to the town you were born in to be counted for the census. You, can you imagine what that would be like? I mean, it would be chaos, right? Everybody trying to get back to the town where they were born. Every plane, train, you know, automobile would be rented and booked. Every highway would be filled because everybody would be trying to get back and be counted. So the day before Mary's about to give birth, the day before she's about to give birth, Joseph says, hey, we're going to have to go get counted for the census. So you're going to have to get on a donkey, even though you're pregnant and ready to go. You're going to have to get on a donkey, and we're going to go. Can you say, that's not convenient? That's not convenient. But see, it was a bigger plan than even Joseph and Mary had had in mind for their life and for their child. And it was a better plan, but it wasn't convenient. God's timing is not always convenient. But see, he was fulfilling a Bible prophecy of where Jesus would be born. The Bible says in Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, at that time, Caesar Augustus ordered all the people under Roman rule to return to their hometown to register in a census. So Joseph took Mary with him to Bethlehem, and by this time she was very pregnant. In Bethlehem, the time came for her to have her baby. None of it was convenient. Here's the fifth thing. At the right time, God can do anything instantly. At the right time, God can do anything instantly. God can do one thing more in one millisecond than you and I can do in 10, 15, 20 years. God doesn't worry about time. God doesn't worry about time because God doesn't need time to accomplish what he wants to do. In Isaiah chapter 60, verse 22, God says this, I am the Lord, so when the right time comes, I will make it happen. How? Quickly. If I say quickly. Now, again, this is another hard idea for us to accept. The most difficult place I think that we could ever be in is in God's waiting room, right? You know, when you're waiting, right? Some of you, you're in God's waiting room right now. What is God's waiting room? It's when you're waiting for something to happen that you believe is going to happen, and it hasn't happened yet. That's God's waiting room. Some of you, maybe you're in school, you're still a ways from graduating, but you're trying, you're in a hurry to graduate. Some of you are in a hurry to get married. Some of you are in a hurry to have a family. Some of you are in a hurry because you have this goal or you have this dream. Uh, Some of you have all kinds of different things that you're believing for, but it hasn't happened yet. You're in a hurry for it, but God doesn't seem to be. And you're seeing the time get shorter and shorter and shorter, and you're thinking, you know, God, there's not a whole lot of time left. I mean, this has either got to happen right now in my life, or it's not going to happen. Listen to me. Everybody, listen closely. God doesn't need a lot of time. God can make anything happen instantly, quickly. He's not like, hey, you know what, I'm going to need two years to pull this off, right? i got to work through all these different things. No, he's not. Like, God can do more in a second than we can do in a year. And you say, all right, Robert, okay, so if that's true, if God can do everything quickly, then why do we have delays in our life? Answer that, preacher boy. All right? Well, God always allows delays in your life for two reasons. Number one, to test your faith. 
Will you trust him? And then number two, to build your character. To test your faith and to build your character. You see, while you're working on your project, your goal, your dream, your vision, God is working on you. He's working on you. And God's more interested in you than what you're trying to accomplish. Because you're not going to take your accomplishments to heaven, but you are going to take your character. All right? And sometimes God says, yeah, I intend to give you what I promised. I intend to answer that prayer. I intend to fulfill that vision. But you're not ready yet. You need to grow up a little bit. You need to man up and start to become that godly man that you need to be. You need to be the woman that I've called you to be, that strong woman that God intends for you to be. He wants you to grow. And then when you're ready, then it's going to happen. See, a lot of times we think that we're waiting on God for something to happen. And God says, no, 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 I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. I'm trying to prepare you. I'm testing your faith. Will you trust me? I'm trying to get you to grow up because the the blessing I want to give you, man, this blessing that I have for your life, it's so much bigger than anything that you could ever dream for. It's so much bigger, but you're not ready for it yet. You can't handle it yet. In Isaiah 49.8, it says this, at the right time. There's that phrase again. By the way, that phrase is in the Bible about 96 times, right? At the right time, I will, not might, I will answer your prayers. It's powerful. Another thing you have to learn in life is that a delay is not a denial. There's a big difference between no and not yet, right? Now, immature children, they don't know the difference. If you tell a child not, not yet, they'll start crying because they think that it means no, all right? But, but they don't understand. A delay is not a denial, God says, I intend to do the things in life that I've given you the vision and the dream to do, but you're just not yet ready. So at the right time, at the right time, I'll answer your prayer. God's often waiting on us. Now, why is that important? Well, because when you're in God's waiting room, there's this temptation to fall into all kinds of negative emotions. When you're in a hurry for something and you're waiting and it isn't happening yet, you start worrying. You start stressing out. You get anxious. You get irritable. You get envious. You get jealous. Wow, you know, he got promoted. I, I didn't get promoted. Why, why is it happening for him? It's not happening for me. She's got engaged or she's having a baby. I'm not having that yet, you know. Uh, he started a new business and it's just booming. It's taking off. But mine hasn't started yet. And so you get all of these negative emotions that come into your life. And then you get frustrated and you get upset. So what does God want you to do when you're in the waiting room of life? Because it's going to happen many, many times. See, God's not a vending machine. You've heard me say this so many times. But God's not a big vending machine where you kind of put in your prayer and pull a lever and he just instantly gives you whatever you want. It doesn't work that way, right? There's always a delay. And delays are by design to teach you to trust him and to grow your character. So what does God want us to do when we're in the waiting timetable? Well, four things, and I want to give these to you. Four things. I want to show you four old English phrases from the King James Version of the Bible. Four things. Fear not, fret not, forget not, and faint not. Would you say those with me? Fear not, fret not, forget not, faint not. All right? Those are the four things that we're going to talk about. Let me explain these to you. All right, because this is what God uh, wants you to do when things don't happen as fast as you want them to happen. Number one, write this down. The first one is 
fear not. Fear not. When things don't happen in your timetable, fear not means trust God. And I talked about this a lot in my message last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time there. But the opposite of fear is faith. When you fill your life with faith, then you don't have a lot of fear. Fear goes out the back door. So listen to me. The more you trust God, the less you're going to be afraid. And the more you're afraid, the, the, uh, the, the less you trust God, the more you're going to be afraid. In Mark chapter 5, verse 36, Jesus says, don't be afraid, just trust me. Trusting God is the number one stress reliever in your life. It's the number one stress reliever. And the more you trust him, man, the more your stress is going to go down. The less you trust him, the more your stress is going to go up. Psalm 31. Man, this is a great prayer to pray. I I highly recommend. I trust in you, Lord. You are my God, and my times are in your hands. Man, that's a great prayer. If you ever prayed a prayer like that, then you might want to memorize it. You might want to commit that one to your memory and just make it a daily prayer for yourself. I trust you, Lord. You're my God. My times are in your hands. In other words, I'm surrendering my schedule. I'm surrendering my calendar. I'm surrendering my agenda because my times are in your hands. And that means I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm not going to walk afraid because I trust you. Another great stress reliever. When you ask God for something in a prayer, don't set a time limit on it. All right? Leave the timing up to God. That will lower your stress. Look at this next verse. I pray to you, Lord, so that when the time is right, please answer me and help me with your wonderful love. Man, what a great prayer. When you're praying, you mention the need. God, I have this need in my life. This is what's going on in my life. I need this raise or I need this or whatever it is that you're needing. And you say, I pray to you, Lord, so when the time is right, please answer me. What you're saying is, Lord, I trust that your timing is better than my timing. So I'm telling you what I need, but the timing is up to you. That's trust, all right? That's fearing not and trusting God. Now, the second thing you need to do is fret not. Fret not. Everybody say fret not. Fret not. And fret not simply means be patient and humble. Now, the word fret is an old English word, and you know what it means? It means worry. It means worry. When you fret, you get stressed out, you get anxious, you get irritable, you get worried. Fretting is the opposite of patience. When you fret, you're being impatient. I don't know if you've ever realized this, but waiting patiently on the Lord is actually a statement of faith. You're complimenting God. When you're being patient, you're going, God, I trust you. I know, I have faith in you, I'm waiting on you, and I am dependent on you. You've got this. The Bible says it like this in Psalm 37. It says, wait and trust the Lord. Don't fret when others prosper, where their dishonest plans succeed. And don't get angry or upset. It only leads to what? Trouble. When you're fretting, it's going to lead to a lot of negative emotions in your life. Now, notice the word others there. It says, don't fret when others prosper. What does that mean? It means that you're looking at everybody else, you're comparing yourself to everybody else, and it's causing you to worry. One of the big reasons that a lot of people get stressed out is because they're constantly comparing themselves to other people. I mean, look, they got a brand new job. Maybe I need a new job. Did you see the neighbors? They got a pool. We got to get a pool. 
right? You start worrying about this stuff. Oh, they got a new car. We're going to need a new car. We got to keep up. We got we to do this stuff, right? Every time you compare yourself to other people, you're being foolish because you're one of a kind. You're not them. They're not you. God has a plan for your life, and it's not the same as the plan for their life. So if you try to live out their plan, you're going to miss out on the plan that God has for you. So when you compare, you start fretting. You start worrying. Now, you know what the problem is with worry? It's worthless. It's worthless. Anytime you spend in your life worrying, you've just wasted that time because worry does nothing. Worry is worthless. It's a waste of energy. God says this in Philippians 4, 6. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. See, now you've got something. Now you've got something because prayer can change things. Worry never changes anything, but prayer can change things. And then it says, listen to this. Let your petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. I absolutely love that. That was life-changing for me because I've always been a person of prayer since I've become a, a Christian and a believer. Prayer's been an important part of my life. But you know what? Worry was always playing a part of my life too. And when I found out, you can take those worries and instead of just worrying and fussing over it and you know, feeling kind of sick and, and that things aren't happening, instead of that, I said, let's take these worries and do what the Scripture says and turn them into prayers. And so every time those worries came up, I began to pray over that. And all of a sudden, God began to move in those things. Worry doesn't work, but prayer works great. You need to learn to pray. It drastically makes a difference. So that's what happened. I learned to pray and then wait patiently. Patience is also, and it's actually kind of related to humility. Look up on the screen. The Bible says this, 1 Peter 5, 6. It says, humble yourself under God's mighty hand so that he can lift you up. When? At just the right time. All right? God is looking for people who will trust him. People who will depend on him. Uh, that's called humility. God, I'm depending on you. I'm not depending on myself. And he goes, you know what? That's a person that's humble. That's a person that, man, I can raise them up. I can give them a better position. I'm going to give them a better, uh, more prestige, more power. I'm going to give them more influence because they humbled themselves. God says when, he, when we humble ourselves, he will lift us up. Now let me show you the same verse in another translation. Look up on the screen. In the message, paraphrase of this, it says, So be content with who you are, and don't put on airs. That means don't act like somebody you're not. Just be authentic. Be you. Be the real you. Be the best you you can be. Right? Just don't put on airs. Uh, God's strong hand is on you, and he'll promote you when? At the right time. When you say, God, you know what? I'm going to trust you with this. I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to fret. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be humble. God says, there's a person that I can bless. So the Bible says, fear not, fret not. Here's the third one. Write it down. Forget not. Forget not. God says, there's some things I don't want you to forget. And so while you're waiting on me for the fulfillment of your dream, I want you to focus on what I've already told you in your word. I don't want you to forget what I've already told you. So write this down. Forget not means to study God's promises. Study God's promises. I told you last week, there's over 6,000 promises in the Bible, but you have to know them in order to claim them. In the book of James, it says this. 
if you keep looking closely into God's perfect word that sets people free, and you keep studying it, and you don't forget it, and you put it into daily practice, you will be blessed by God in some of what you do. What? Oh, you'll be blessed by God in all that you do. I love that, in all that you do. I actually spent some time kind of studying that and went and looked at the Greek uh, of that word all. And you know what all means in the Greek? It means all. <laughs> it means all, right? He says, if you look closely at my word, it means that you read a little bit every day. Listen, I don't know if you read the word every day, but I want to tell you it's one of the most life-changing things that you can do in your life is to set aside just a little bit of time in the morning. Just take a, just take, if you take even five minutes, ten minutes, right? Now, we have a program called Bible 365 on the website. You can just go there, and it connects you up to a daily reading plan. You can choose the one that you want. I use one that, that, that basically it has um, just a little bit of the Old Testament and a little bit of the New Testament. And I've been reading through it every year. So take a moment and do that. It will absolutely change your life. But then listen to what it says. He says, he says now go from reading into studying. All right, it says you study it. That, you know what studying, the difference between reading and studying is? You use a pen and paper. You start to write some stuff down. I keep a little notebook beside my Bible. And I, my goal is I want to get at least one good thought or scripture from every type that I've read, everything I've read, every morning. And so I'm writing down a little something that, that God has spoken to my heart. So that's taking it a little bit deeper and going a little bit stronger in it. Then it says, then you remember it. That means you memorize it. Have you ever memorized any verses from the Bible? Man, it's because that's so important because you put that thing into your memory. And what happens then is God can pull it out of your memory when you need it the most. There'll be times when I'll be talking to somebody and all of a sudden I'll remember a scripture that I had memorized years ago, but I hadn't thought about it in a while. But it'll be right at the right moment, that right scripture for that moment. The reason God's able to pull that out is because it was already stored in, the, in that bank in my heart. It was already there. So memorize some scripture. Find out, you know, what it says. Memorize it. Like I said, you know, you, some of you, you're, you're, you get in situations and you go, you know, I know there's a promise for that somewhere, but I don't know what it is. Memorize it. And God can bring it to your mind just at the right time. And then he says, and then put it into action. In other words, now that you've done all that stuff, you've, you've read it, you've studied it, you've memorized it, don't stop there because it's wasted if you stop there, then put it into practice. Start to do something with that. And it says you'll be blessed by God in all that you do. See, you have a choice. This next year as we go into 2020, you have a choice. Do you want to be stressed or do you want to be blessed? It's your choice. God says you get to choose, stressed or blessed. What's the key to being blessed? You read, you study, you remember, and you do what it says. And the more you do it, the more you're going to be blessed in life. Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3. Happy are those who find joy in obeying the word of the Lord, and they study it day and night. Any other time, you don't have to. I like my humor a lot better than you guys do. <laughs> anyway, they are like trees that grow strong behind the stream, the side of stream, and they bear fruit at the right time. What does that mean? It means you're going to be productive. 
You're going to have a productive life. You will bear fruit in your life at the right time. It says they will succeed in everything they do. So fear not, forget not, fret not, and then here's the last one, faint not. Faint not. Again, that's an old English phrase. comes from the King James Version of the Bible. Faint not means don't give up. You know what he's saying? He's saying don't quit. Don't, 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 don't quit. Don't give up. Be determined. Be diligent. Keep in, uh, have endurance. You know, because God says, look, these things may not happen right away, so keep on keeping on. Look at this verse, Galatians 6, 9. We must never get tired of doing what is right and doing what is good, for at the right time, there's that phrase again, God's timing. At the right time, it's God's time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up or quit. So this Christmas... I want to ask you a question. What do you feel like giving up on? When you look at your life, I mean, if we were going to get gut level honest right now, and you were just going to give us a peek inside, what was it you would say you were thinking about giving up? For some of you, you came in, maybe you're thinking about giving up on your marriage. It just feels like it's a dead end and it's not going anywhere. And so you think about giving up your marriage. Some of you, maybe it's your career. You're thinking about giving up on your career. I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. doesn't seem to be working out. just isn't happening. Some of you feel like giving up on your dreams. Maybe you feel like giving up on your family. Some of you, maybe you've thought about giving up on yourself. You've even committed taking your own life. Man, I want you to know, a thousand years before you were born, God already knew that you were going to be here in this place at Coast Community Service, Coast Community Church in a service on a Christmas week. He knew you were going to be here in this moment just so that he could say to you, don't give up. Don't, 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 don't give up. Whatever you do, don't give up. Look up. Look up to God. It says, in, it says we must never get tired for the right time we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Amen? Amen. Don't give up. All right, finally, here's the last thing. I want to talk to you about two times in your life where it's, God says it's always the right time to do these two things. All right? We can't say that about a lot of things, but there's two things that God says it's always the right time for these two things. And the first one is this. It's always the right time to come back home to God. It's always the right time. Now is the time, Acts 3.19. Now is the time to change your ways and come back to God so he can wipe away your sins and pour out showers of blessings to refresh you. Do you need a little refreshment in your life? You need a little renewal? You need a little revival? I believe that God's going to do that as we move into 2020. I think we're going to see that, some refreshing, some renewal. God says, come back. You say, Robert, you don't understand all the things that I've done. No, I don't need to know. I don't, I don't care to know. I don't, I don't, I don't want to know, right? Because it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done or who you've done it with or how long you've done it. God says, I still want you to come back home. You say, well, isn't God going to be mad? I've been, I've been gone for so long. Look at this next verse. Here's what God says he'll do if you come back to him. God says in Isaiah 54, 7, with deep love, I will take you back. No matter what's happened, no matter what you've done, God says with deep love, I will take you back. God is love. You see, God isn't mad at you. Some of you, man, somebody here, you need to hear that this morning. God is not mad at you. 
He is mad about you. He is in love with you. He is the Father who created you. Jesus the Son died for you. God's Spirit wants to live inside of you. Nobody will ever love you more. God says, with deep love, I will take you back. That's powerful. You may be deeply flawed, but you are also deeply loved, and you are infinitely valuable. The second thing, it's always the right time for us to accept the saving grace of Jesus. It's always the right time to accept the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Look at these last two verses. 1 Timothy 2.6 says, Jesus gave himself to pay for the sins of everyone. That's what Jesus came to do. He gave himself, himself to pay for the sins of everyone. He's the proof that God wants us all to be saved. Every single one of us. doesn't matter what your religious background is or your ethnic or your financial background. It says he wants us all to be saved. And that proof came at the right time. 1 Timothy 2.6. See, that's what Christmas is all about, guys. Last verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. God says this. This hour is the right time. Right now. This hour is the right time to receive my grace. The day of salvation is now. Today, I'm ready to save you. Would you bow your heads with me? Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Maybe as we come into this Christmas, maybe you've been waiting for something to happen to to say yes to God. He's been calling to you. He's been reaching out to you, speaking into your heart. It's time to say yes. It's time to give your heart to him. Maybe you've never done that today. Now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. God wants to reach you. He wants to touch you. He wants to speak into your heart today. While every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, this is your moment. This is your time. This is your time to say yes to him. No one's looking around. It's just me and you. If you say, Robert, I realize I've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And I really need to do that today. Would you pray for me? If that's you, could I just see your hand? I want to pray for you today. Thank you. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer right where you are. You can pray this to say, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I turn my back on my old way of living. I turn my heart towards you. Lead me and guide me. Forgive me and cleanse me. Give me a purpose for today. I thank you that there's a promise for eternity forever. In Jesus' name, keep your heads bowed for just a moment. Maybe you're here right now and you're moving into the Christmas season and you've been dealing with worry. Maybe you've been afraid about money and how you're going to pay the bills. Maybe you've been just worried because of Christmas relationships. Maybe you've 
you're like me and you've lost a loved one during the Christmas time and it's weighing heavily on your heart. But you're here and you say, Robert, I just find myself kind of worried or stressed or, or hurting during this Christmas season. Would you pray for me? I want to do that right now. Can I just see your hands wherever you are? Quite a few. Lord, I just thank you for everyone who raised their hand. Father, you know each of their situations. You know what's going on in their life. Father, you want them not to be afraid. You want them not to to be struggling and hurting. You want them not to give up. You want them, Father, to not forget your word and your promises. Father, Lord, I pray for each and every single one of them. Father, that they would sense your presence, they sense, sense your heart and you working in their situation. And Father, that they would trust you today. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Can we give God a hand this morning? So here's my prayer for you is that as you move into this Christmas season, this next couple of days, and as we come towards Christmas, that it would be the most special Christmas you've ever had because you realize that God is everything you need. His Son provides everything you need. Everything. It's all there. He wants to be with you during this season so closely. So a couple of things I want to remind you of. Tuesday night is our Christmas Eve candlelight communion service. It's two services, one at 5 and one at 11.30. They're both short, but they're powerful. Uh, They're they're really, truthfully, one of the most favorite things that we do. And so I want to ask you, would you consider inviting some people to come with you? Just let them know which one you're going to come to. Tell them, look, meet me in the foyer. There'll be snacks and cocoa and all kinds of things like that. Meet me in the foyer for that, and, uh, and then we'll go sit together. But invite some people. We've given you some invite cards in your bulletin, in your program. And you can use those. There's also some more at the welcome desk if you need it. But let's pack these places out for both services and invite somebody to come. Uh, in the foyer, right after the service, uh, they're, they're going to be taking Christmas pictures. We've got a background and all of that. would love to take your picture for you. And then we'll post them on our face, uh, Coast Pace Facebook page. Next Sunday, special message, Walking Into Forever. Definitely don't want to miss that. And then uh, every January... At the beginning of the year, uh, shortly after the beginning of the year, we do 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's just one of those powerful things to set up uh, the year. Uh, we've seen God do so much through this. I want to ask you to join us January 5th through 25th. Now, fasting, I know for a lot of people that's a scary thing. It doesn't mean that you don't eat for 21 days or that sort of thing. But you can pick something to fast. You know, I've had people tell me they fasted coffee or fasted caffeine, or some people say, you know, I'm, I'm fasting sugar during this time. You know, some people say, well, I'm, you know, I'm getting off social media for a whole 21 days, you know, and that sort of thing. I, I don't really care what it is that you're fasting. I just want it to sting a little bit. In other words, I want you to feel it. So when those moments come and you're wanting to do it, you know, that you'll be reminded, God, you're everything I need. Everything I need is in you. And Father, I'm looking for towards you. Because this year, guys, we're not just starting a new year. We're starting a new decade. And I want to see God do some powerful things in your family. I want to see God do some powerful things in this church. Will you pray and fast with me? So that's coming up January 5th 
through the 25th. Amen? Amen. All right. I want to do one more thing. I want to pray a prayer of blessing over you. And then hopefully we'll see each and every one of you back with some of your friends uh, on Tuesday. Raise your hands. Father, I thank you for every person that's here. I pray that you bless them, pour your spirit out upon them. Give them wisdom in all that they do, that they would walk in wisdom according to your word. Let your anointing be on their life. Father, I pray that you'd give them favor in the eyes of everyone that they come in contact with. And Father, I pray that you would give them divine opportunities to tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? God bless you guys. Have a great, great week.